This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino. Bob will be by in hour two, as Bob is currently, honestly, he's probably running right now somewhere along the streets of Vancouver. He's at the CPKC Women's Open this week, where a lot of our show today will talk about the CPKC Women's Open. We'll also discuss, of course, the Tour Championship, which gets underway uh, Tamara, Mark, how are you this morning? I'm good, Skull. Scrambling a little, little running around this morning, and uh, but uh, looking forward to putting a bow on the FedEx Cup. To be honest with you, and I've been thinking a lot about this format again because you know players are mixed on how they feel about this, and I am almost a thousand percent certain at this point that now with the Dell match play no longer part of the PGA Tour schedule. And match play only exists truly in international competition now, right? President's Cup and Ryder Cup every other year. That I want to put 14 guys out. I want to put, if uh, so 14 players from the bottom 14 of the top 30. I want to put them out in 36 holes of... Uh, Oh, sorry. Let me get this. Hold on. I want to put 22 guys out. I want to put eight guys get a have a buy. Eight guys are going to get a buy. I want to put 22 guys out in stroke play. Those 22 guys are playing for eight spots. Those eight spots go to round of 16, and now you do match play till there's two guys left. Okay. Okay, this is intriguing. Uh, a little later in the show, we're going to hear from some players about the format because it's um, it's still a hot topic, this being the fifth year of the staggered starting leaderboard. There's got to be a different way. I know as, as a viewer, it's less confusing come Friday afternoon, but as a player, uh, they certainly don't like it. But we'll take a deep dive into that actually in our next segment, as we'd always do on Wednesdays. We'll look at the betting odds for this week at the Tour Championship. Obviously, with the stagger start, it's a little different. So there, are, on FanDuel, you can actually bet the winner right now in terms of where they're currently starting. You can also bet the low 72-hole score, essentially without a handicap, uh, if you will. So we'll get into that in that discussion uh, as well. We'll also hear from Matt Bovee from TaylorMade about the all-new TaylorMade P790 irons, which, Mark, a couple of weeks ago, we gave away a brand-new set of those on 20 weeks of TaylorMade. And Mark, this is also, it's safe to say, a pretty, pretty big week for 20 weeks of TaylorMade, isn't it? This is the last one. Uh, we will figure out who wins the top three, who wins the full set of TaylorMade through the bag, who wins the trip to Casa de Campo, and who we will crown our first ever 20 weeks of TaylorMade PGA Tour Golf Talk Canada Fantasy League champion. First time ever we are going to crown a champion. And with the victor come the spoils. So we will find out next week after the Tour Championship who gets it all. 
It's a big one. And Golf Canada CEO Lawrence Applebaum is going to join the show from the Pro-Am at the CPKC Women's Open. And as we'll talk with him in depth, he actually was kind of on our show last year at the RBC Canadian Open, also during the Pro-Am, as we were commentating, we were watching him and broadcasting his shot live from the forward tee at St. George's by the ring hole. And I'll never forget when L.A., he was on our show, I believe the next week, and he said, I'm over the ball, I'm addressing the ball, and all I could hear is us saying, I don't like this club for him. So we'll see uh, how, <laughs> how L.A.'s feeling, how the golf game's feeling for L.A. We'll also get into both of our golf games soon because, Mark, hey, it's almost the start of your golf season. Almost. Yes, I played uh, the other day, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm like kind of targeting, um, I'm going to play this week, actually. Okay. So I'm like, tomorrow's the official kickoff of my golf season. I'm going to play. Uh, I've been invited up to Devil's Paintbrush, oh. which is one of my absolute favorites. And then I've been invited up to Beacon Hall on Friday, which is also one of my oh. favorites. Um, so Beacon Hall tends to kick my butt a little. I've, I I think it's the toughest course we have in the province. With all due respect to the national, you know that you know some courses just fit your eye, Scully, and you play them yeah. well. I always play the national well; it just fits my eye. That and I'm Italian, and Italians are comfortable with the national. That's, That's just how it works. Yeah. You know, ask Holiakovo that one; he'll just tell you how comfortable the Italians are up at the Nash. Uh, Beacon Hall, I actually find more difficult than national. I just I love the place; it's like one of the best in the country. And, but it just, I cannot get comfortable at Beacon Hall. I never have. So I'm going to see tomorrow. Can I get around? Uh, can I get it around Beacon Hall for the first time ever? We'll find out. And then uh, Devil's Pulp, uh, Devil's Paintbrush tomorrow. And Devil's Pulpit, Devil's Paintbrush. I say it all the time till I'm blue in the face. The most fun you can have playing golf in the province of Ontario. Yeah, I mean, I love those two golf courses. I mean, the fun factors through the roof. I wish I lived closer. If I lived closer, I, I, I'd probably be a member. I really would be. Yeah, I, I got out to the paintbrush uh, one time uh, last summer, and uh, you're getting a couple of links experiences in the GTA because the second nine at Beacon Hall, it's totally different than the front nine there. Anyway, I'm looking forward to a full recap of your full golf experience next Monday when we're radio uh, to TV. But first, a lot of news going on in the golf world. Let's kick things off with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Well, every year at the Tour Championship, the commissioner has a press conference. Now, we hadn't heard all too much publicly from Commissioner Jay Monahan since that fateful Tuesday morning when you and I, Mark, were live on radio, we were live on TV, when both of our brains just, quite frankly, exploded after the news that came down that Tuesday morning uh, in terms of the agreement that could be an agreement with the PIF. Still no official agreement. And yet the big question where are they right now in terms of that agreement? Now, Jay Monahan spoke for upwards of an hour. Here's a little snippet from Jay Monahan talking about what's going on with the PIF and this agreement that could be, who knows, coming soon. We operate in good faith, and, and I see that on both sides. And that framework agreement 
which is an agreement to reach an agreement, put us in a position to reach an agreement, those safeguards that are in place and our commitment to moving from you know, the divisive nature of the relationship we had to a productive one, for us to be able to make a fundamental transition to our business with the formation of NUCO, to have an investable entity for PIF to be able to invest in that didn't previously exist, for the PGA Tour to you know, be in control of the future of men's professional golf and for us to be partners, um, if we were gonna end the litigation, we would have just announced that we were ending the litigation. Um, and our teams, are, if you saw the amount of conversation and the time that the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and PIF are spending um, working forward from a framework to a definitive, I think you'd see that um, the sincerity of the efforts there. And specifically on Live Golf, in your mind, does that exist in two, three, five years' time? Because that would seem contrary to the development plans you're speaking about for your own tour. I think, you know, there are a lot of questions that are specific questions that are going to come and have come to me as it relates and have come to others as it relates to elements of what is in the framework agreement and elements of what we're talking about. I'm not going to talk publicly about them until we've completed those discussions and I can answer that question specifically and directly. So that's PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, and I was on the edge of my seat yesterday morning, Mark, because I wanted to decide whether we were going to include some of Jay Monahan's sound into our television show, which first aired last night, which will also air at 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. on TSN. But there wasn't really much of anything said overall news-wise, was there, Mark? Not really, and I think, you know, he didn't answer the question there, but the, the answer is, if, if, Live was gonna, if Live Golf was going to exist in the shape and form that it currently exists past 2025, that answer from Jay Monahan would have been, yes, it will exist, I just can't tell you the details. The fact of the matter is, it's highly likely that it will not exist uh, in anything close to the current form that uh, that we will see it in 2023 and 2024. So, um, I mean, the sooner we can put this all to bed, I think the better off everybody is. Um, I mean, wow, we're going to get used, Adam, to a new schedule next year. Don't get comfortable with it, right? Like anybody who thinks next year, you know, don't get settled in because it ain't the only thing you can get used to next year as a golf fan as a as a someone who consumes golf or whether you work in golf or as a player the only thing you can get used to next year is say goodbye to the wraparound schedule other than that don't get comfortable where anything is or what's going on because it's all going to change again in 25. it's certainly all going to change in 25 now since this news came out back in uh, this agreement to be an agreement news uh, when players were asked about it Throughout the summer on press conferences, there was a lot of, I'm not really sure what's happening. So now that we're at the Tour Championship, Xander Shoffley was also asked about what he knows, or I guess in this case, what he doesn't really know. I mean, I'm very certain that I, that I know very little, um, which means I don't know a lot. So uh, I have honestly no idea what's been going on. So 
just uh, just trying to win golf tournaments and kind of back to that whole, you know, transcript. It's as if we could just hit replay from press conferences in July and late June. Wouldn't you think, Mark, that, you know, one of the top players on the PGA Tour, wouldn't you think they would, you know, want to know more? You would think they would know more, given how this agreement would really change the entire landscape of professional golf? But, but they're not going to know. It's secret society. And until yeah. the Justice Department and, and until the investigation is done and concluded and, and the U.S. government is completely out of the way on this and they can formalize the details of what this is going to look like and complete that negotiation, no one is going to know. Now, I'm hopeful that the players will know first this time as opposed to hitting it on Twitter and stuff. Let's hope that they get the communication part of this right. I don't think they can afford, Adam, to get it wrong again. Like, I really don't. I think a few people, and I like Jay Monahan a lot. I think he's done a great job. I think he's a very likable person. I, I, I think he wished he could get that, that, that Tuesday back at the Canadian Open. I think he really would love to have that day back. Um, I think he'd like to have a few days back. But there are people here that cannot afford to lose control of the narrative and messaging again. So I don't think that's going to happen again. But to the idiots in the room uh, at these press conferences, week in, week out on the PGA Tour, some of them are really great golf writers and reporters that are there weekly. And some of them are there weekly and don't know their you-know-what from a hole in the ground. And then you got your local guys. Stop asking stupid questions, please. We're at the Tour Championship. It's the FedEx Cup Final. These guys don't know anything. They know as much as we do right here. And until we can start buttoning down and formalize, I say we being the golf community, until the PGA Tour can formalize some stuff, they ain't going to know anything. They didn't go to know anything. And, they, and if they did, they ain't going to tell you in a presser on a Tuesday, Monday at Eastlake. Like, give me a break. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing. You know, Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy supposed to speak at some point later today. I'm sure they'll have some sort of similar remarks uh, to Xander Shoffley. Now, before we go to break, some other news: the European Solheim Cup team named, which is awesome. Now, Mark, we've spoken at length about the Ryder Cup, but to have the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup just a matter of weeks apart, how awesome is that? Just overall for the world of golf. Yeah, you know, uh, international team competition, right? Um, it just seems, I don't know, the golf community tends to gravitate when people are playing for more than just money, which is so funny, right? I think it's so funny we just had the live conversation, right? But just people don't get engaged. And for that matter, FedEx Cup, like you could, in the beginning of the FedEx Cup, you could just throw as much money at something as you want, but people don't get excited about millionaires playing for millions of dollars. You know, they get excited about you and I playing for millions of dollars or themselves because that not matter, that money matters to us. It changes our lives, our families' lives, etc. A guy with a net worth of 30 million playing for 5 million, 100 million playing for 15 million, it doesn't, it doesn't stir the straw. But to your point, Solheim Cup and Ryder Cup and what, and then now you're playing for something different, right? And I think now different with the ladies game, they certainly need the money more than the men. But that Solheim Cup, I think we've seen a lot of passion out of that event over the years. I remember a few years ago, uh, you know, there's there, it can get interesting out there. And the fact that they're so close together this year and 
did you not play the host venue last year on the trip to Spain? We did. That's right. Finca Cortesine, which is hosting the Solheim Cup. So we had a chance to play that uh, on our Spanish travel adventure back in uh, November 2021. And I'm looking forward to seeing this course because there is a lot of risk. There is a lot of reward. And that's the name of the game with match play. You can really change the course setup a lot and you know fight for birdies or whether they're going to set up to fight for par so i'm really looking forward to seeing the solheim cup at finca Cortesine because that's september 22nd to 24th then the next weekend is the Ryder cup so it's going to be a whole lot of match play in late september uh, which we are really looking forward to seeing when we come back here on gtc we teased this a little bit off the top. We're going to hear from a couple guys on the other side talking about the format here, the staggered starting format. How do they like it? How do we like it? How would we change it? We'll discuss that and much more when we come back right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. Visit JPSMGolf.com to find a trolley that fits your game. JPSM Golf, Canada's premier electric golf trolley specialist. Well, it was awesome spending time with Joseph McLucky from JPSM Golf back at the Toronto Hunt member guest a couple of weeks ago. By the way, Mark, congratulations again on uh, on that victory. Just wanted to be the first to congratulate. We'll, we'll us. be milking this for a year, Skulls. We'll be milking this for a year. I, I'm thinking our year in review show. There's at least one or four segments will be about that. I, well, I, we should just take the audience shot by shot. We'll do what the Golf Channel used to do on Tiger Woods, the '97 Masters. In my own words, we can do Scully Zacchino, the 23 member guest. In our own words, that would be great. Captivating, I think really. It's, uh, yes, it's <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely captivating. Speaking of captivating, a lot of drama going on. Uh, right now, uh, in terms of the Tour Championship, just on the golf course, where 30 players are looking to win the FedEx Cup. This is the fifth year of the staggered starting leaderboard, where Scotty Scheffler will begin with a two-shot lead over Victor Hovland, three-shot lead over Rory McIlroy, and a four-shot lead over John Rahm. Now, we haven't heard from Rahm yet in this show. Rahm was asked during Tuesday's press conference his overall thoughts about this format. I think the last few years I've spoken about about this format. Uh, it's it's easier to understand. I don't think is is the best we can come up with. Right. I, I think I think I've expressed my dislike towards the fact that you can come in ranks number one in the FedEx Cup. You can win every single tournament up until this one. You have a bad week, you finish 30th, and now you'll forever be known as 30th in the FedEx Cup this season. I don't think that's very fair. I did like the old format where if you came in as number one, you really rarely ever fell out of top three, right? I think I thought that was a little bit better. And I know the the people are good with numbers and statistics and all those that and probability. They... They ran the numbers, and I know they say this. Basically, this format comes out to the same. But you know, when you're in fifth place, you are 
with five under, so you're five shots from the lead, but you're also five shots from 30th place. So that to me just doesn't make much sense, right? So um, I think they could come, you know, if you're coming in 30th place, it's a much better chance now of actually finishing in the top five than you had before. Before you had to win. You don't have to win, right? So it's, I don't think it's the best, but it is the easiest to understand, right? So um, if you ask me, I think we can come up with something better. Okay, so that's Rom's perspective. I want to hear from Xander Shoffley, get his perspective before we give our thoughts. Here's Xander Shoffley. You know, I can happily say I've been on both sides um, of it. I've never won the the whole thing, but I've won this event, and I've got, you know, I was given a trophy, and I've won it and was not. So I, I can't really comment on that just because I, I haven't thought of a way to make it better. Um, I still believe that, you know, when I talk to some friends and people, they – they still feel like a little confused on how it all happens. And, you know, I think this is supposed to be like our most important event um, all year. It kind of comes down to this moment. And like for people to be like a little bit confused, it's still not a finished product to me in that sense. But, um, you know, I think after Thursday and after Friday, like everyone knows, like it doesn't even matter anymore how it started. It's all about how you finish it. And everyone knows what's going on, you know, when guys are coming down, you know, this this nice final stretch here at Eastlake. And, Everyone knows what's at stake. Okay, a couple interesting opinions there. Mark, for you, match play, that's the answer you think here? Well, I don't know if it's the answer. Um, it's I think that uh, for me personally, I think it would be the best play now that we don't have it. I like you know parking X amount of bodies aside. I haven't done the math, but you give X amount of bodies aside, they get a buy. That's your benefit for having a great, you know, regular season and two playoff events. You you finished in, let's just call it the top eight for easy math. Uh, you get a buy. You get to sit on your butt until Saturday at the Tour Championship, and you're, you're, you're guaranteed to be in the match play. Everybody else, go out for a couple days at Eastlake and play for eight spots. Those eight spots get into a round of 16. Now you have a round of 16 match play until you have one versus one for 15 million Sunday afternoon uh, and you hand out a FedEx cup. I don't know. There might be a, a, a different numbers of work, but I, I like something like that. I think would make a lot of sense now that match play is gone. John Rom is completely wrong. He couldn't be further from being accurate. Uh, I mean, he is so offside here. It's not even funny. John Rahm wants to go back to the VJ Singh Tiger Woods era where it was a regular season award. Like, didn't matter what you did, like Tiger would get to the tour championship. He was the winner. There was no drama. He was going to win the FedEx Cup. And then we handed out a trophy to somebody else from the tour championship where VJ Singh won, right? It was, it was over before it started. But I think it might be a European problem, Adam, because Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the biggest soccer fan in the world. So correct me if I'm wrong. But don't, like, league championships get handed out that way in Europe. Like, you play a season, and then you just can't get, you can't be caught as the number one team, and you win the league championship. Like, John Rahm basically wants the President's Cup trophy winner to get the Stanley Cup. That's not how it works in North American sports. North American sports, John, the regular season means very little. Okay? If you're lucky and you play in the National Football League, you get a bye. That's the best we can do. 
because you're the top two teams on both sides, right? AFC, NFC, they get a bye. Then you go in like everybody else and it's do or die. I think John really wants to be rewarded here for, you know, and I understand why he's had a great year, but that's not what playoffs are about. Playoffs aren't about recognizing your four wins that came before the Masters. You know, if that's the case, if that was the case, you and I may have been celebrating a Stanley Cup for the Leafs the last couple of years, if, if, if regular seasons meant anything at all, right? And guess what? They just don't. They mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, you know what? It's so interesting because I've been trying to think while listening to those guys talk whether it's something to do, you know, because they mention all the time in the PJ Tours promotional work about season-long race and how once the FedEx Cup playoffs begin, the points triple or quadruple, and they're playing for, you know, $18 million is, is first prize this week. Whether you could just keep it, whether it'd be like a season-long points race or money race, like kind of like our 20 weeks of tailor-made pool, where you, you look at the, the top money earner from that week. I don't know if you could do it that way, where the top money earner or top uh, FedEx Cup points receiver for the year wins the FedEx Cup. It's still confusing. I wonder, Mark, well, if it was different. Sorry, if, if it was different where if Scotty Scheffler started at even and it went down to 10 over par, would that make any difference? I don't think I don't it really matters. Know. I think it's staggered. I think what John's also forgetting to recognize is they have the Comcast business tour top 10. They've already paid, been paid out millions of dollars in bonuses for finishing the regular season first to 10. It's like we just skip over that now. Like, oh, so what? Because it's only a few million and it ain't 15. I mean, it's it's a regular season. Someone needs to explain the guy a regular season. Now, again, I don't like the staggered start. I think there's a better way of giving the guys who perform the best to date a, a bit of an advantage, right? Whether it's top four, top eight, whatever. But I mean, it's interesting. I don't know. Could you could you say to the guys who finished top ten in the FedEx Cup? regular season you don't have to play memphis or chicago you go straight to east lake and there's only 20 spots available now for east lake and then everybody starts at even par when we get to east lake and it was like guys you didn't have to do anything to get here you're already here that was your that was your bonus is that you're already here you know what i mean you didn't have to go through the first first two grueling events of 110 degrees in memphis and that you didn't have to do any of that here you are you know, so I don't know. There's something better. I like the match play. I really do. Because you and I talk about this all the time, too. It's like, diff- different is good. If something can be done once a year. Like, we love the 16th hole at the at the WM Phoenix Open, right? We love it because it's amazing environment, completely different. But it's only once a year. I don't want to see that every year. That's not what golf's all about, right? We love the Ryder Cup. Once every two years, right? I mean... So if we could get something on the calendar that's once a year, that you know, we go, okay, on a Sunday afternoon in August, at the end of August, we're going to have one guy versus one guy for 15 million bucks in the FedEx Cup. That's appointment TV. And if you give the top eight buys, you are going to increase your chances of having the stars in that final. Like, look at who the top eight right are right now mm-hmm. you've insured uh already that rom scheffler hovland 
McElroy, you've ensured that your big names are already in the round of 16. So you've avoided that Wednesday or Thursday deflating feeling that we used to get at the Dell match play when you realize, oh my God, Rory just lost his first match and tied his second match. He's done, mm-hmm. right? That's, that, that's out of the equation. Your top 16, your eight guys are already into that weekend window for TV. So you've solved that problem. And that's a lot of the verbiage, too, that a lot of the players have been speaking about in terms of next season with the signature events, with not with some of them not having cuts where they want the stars there for the weekend. So this is going to be a, a moving target. I don't think they're going to change this next year. But, hey, you never know. Uh, we gave our opinions on this. Maybe the PJ Tour uh, communications, they'll listen to this segment and think, ding, 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 ding. let's try uh, something new. We're running late. When we come back here, we're going to take a deep dive into the FedEx Cup finale, the Tour Championship, Scotty Scheffler's putter. We both have some theories. We're going to discuss Scheffler's flat stick when we come back right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score. Good for your health. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside GTC. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino here. Tour Championship getting underway tomorrow. CPKC Women's Open getting underway tomorrow. Bob Week's going to join us in Hour 2. We're going to hear from Brooke Henderson in our next segment as she's going to be sporting a different look this week. Mm -hmm. We'll much more on that on the other side. But Tour Championship this week. With the staggered starting scoring system, Scotty Scheffler, a plus 130 favorite right now, so very, very short odds. Rory McIlroy, plus 330. Victor Hovland, plus 500. John Rahm, plus 850. However, if you go on FanDuel, scroll a little lower in the app there, you can also take a look at lowest 72-hole scoring without the starting staggered scoring system. So Rory McIlroy, in that case, might be a little confusing to hear all this, but Rory McIlroy, the plus 500 favorite in that case, Scotty Scheffler, plus 650. Xander Shoffley, plus 1,000 alongside John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Victor Hovland, plus 1,100. So betting for this week, it's certainly a little different, Mark, as we spoke about uh, with Michael Harrison on Monday on our show, where it's it's a little you you almost have to rely on some of the top guys shooting even or one or two over par to bring everyone back into the tournament but Scotty Scheffler he's had a couple of pretty good weeks he really had that tournament it seemed uh on, on, he seemed like he had one hand on the trophy last week on Sunday until Victor Hovland did what he did, but then the putter failed him yet again. What did you see from Scotty Scheffler's putting that opened your eyes a little bit? Well, I just look, you look at the best putters in the world inside 10 feet, uh, you know, really in that four feet to eight foot range. Uh, Figala, Brian Harmon, um, Denny McCarthy, um, who am I forgetting here? 
they have one thing in common typically. They, they tend to hit those putts with, with a lot of speed. Now, there's exceptions to the rule. Obviously, you have putts that, you know, ex- extremely above the hole, that cut away from you, et cetera, et cetera. But week in, week out, without, you know, extremely, you know, sharp above the hole putts, they hit a lot of putts uh, in, I'll call it the six o'clock door, the front door with lots of pace. And they might, they might hit it at 5, they might hit it at 7 p.m., but very rarely do they hit a putt into the cup at 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. or 3 p.m. and 9, uh, 3 p.m. And 9 p.m. That, that's just, you don't see it. And I just noticed with Scotty, especially as we get closer to Sunday, he is trying to like sneak it in the side door with perfect speed and just looks like a guy who doesn't want a comebacker to be honest with you, Adam. And I, I know you noticed some stuff too, which I, you and I have not had this conversation yet. So I'm curious what you noticed. Yeah, so that's very interesting. I I didn't notice that in particular in terms of trying to die the ball in the hole, especially. Uh, and to your point about guys hammering the, the back of the cup from, let's say, three, four feet, you know, Max Holma is another guy who does that. And that really cost him when he made that triple bogey in Saturday's third round where his ball nearly missed the hole entirely from a foot and a half and it lipped out three feet past. Anyway, for Scotty Scheffler, inside five feet, I noticed it's not quite, I'm not, it's not quite yippy, but he, he takes the, the stroke comes back and when he makes contact with the ball, it's closer to the heel than it is the center of the club face. And he's pulling putts. He's fanning the face. He's, yeah. he's fanning the face, and he's really hitting these. It's not a yip, but it's, it's kind of the heebie Okay, but hold on like... a second. <laughs> okay, hold on a second, though, for a second. Okay, he's got two wins this season? Yeah. Or three? Two. Two wins this season. Okay. He, one of them's a player's championship, and one of them's a signature event, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Okay? He should have six to seven victories, including multiple majors. But instead, he has two wins and a large bucket of disappointments. Was it not a matter of time before he started to get yippy? I mean, yip, yippiness starts with scar tissue from missed putts over the years of times you needed to make short putts and did not. And then you start to eventually get your confidence broken. You start to doubt what you do. And it leads to an involuntary uh, physical reaction, which is a twitch. And that's what a yip is. So all we've seen since the Players' Championship is short misses, Sundays where he should have hoisted trophies, and he went home instead with seconds and thirds and fifths. So unless you're a complete moron, you're going to eventually end up with the yips. I mean, only some, like you, you, regardless of how much faith you have in the process, he's a human being. No matter how much faith you have in God, he's, you know, obviously very religious. He's a human being. He eventually, this was going to get to him. I hopefully, they get it under control sooner rather than later. I, I'm not going to tell you I pretend to know how to do that, but he has access to the best of the best. They got to figure it out because the longer this goes, this then it becomes a career thing. 
You know, look at Bernard Langer, right? He went through 900 different putting styles. Literally, he won a, he won a Masters with a reverse arm lock up the forearm when no one ever even thought of doing this, okay? Because he fought his whole career. Now, eventually, Longer landed at the broom, the way Adam Scott and the way Lucas Glover have landed on the broom. And, you know, the rest is history. You saw what he's done in the Champions Tour with the broom. The yip's gone. But, I mean, like, is, is Scotty Scheffler willing to go through, like, a 24-month tunnel of darkness in the hopes to come out the other side? Like, is that what we're staring at here? I don't know. And you've seen a lot of guys go to aim point. You wonder it's how he's reading the greens. You wonder if he has to call our good buddy Ralph Bauer up just in terms of something different. Because clearly, whether he's playing too much break, to your point about trying to die the ball in, in you know, from inside eight feet at three o'clock instead of hitting the, as you said on Monday show, which I really like the line when you dent the back of the cup, essentially. Yeah. But I mean, I, I noticed that that shorter, the shorter stroke hitting up on the ball a lot, which caused, you know, the heel contact. And it's just, it's not solid contact. You're putting the wrong spin on the ball when you're putting it inside five feet. It's, it's fascinating, really, isn't it? I mean, I've, I don't, personally, I don't think it's green reading. Um, I think, you know, some of his bad luck was certainly green reading, you know, where he's burning edges, where he had tournaments where he was stroking it so well and it wasn't finding the bottom. We're talking fractions. But, I mean, when we're talking inside eight feet, I think that I'm going to borrow too much break and diet, that's a lack of confidence is what yeah. that is. That's just a lack of commitment and a lack of confidence. And and for and you know what? For, for obvious reasons, Skulls, right? I mean, if you haven't made any in six months... You're probably going to have a lack of confidence. I'm trying to find his putting stats here from last week. See if I can pull them up. He was 38th in strokes game putting last week out of a 50-player field. Out of a 50-player field, he was 38th. And what was he on? Do we know what he was on on the final day? Trying to pick up Uh, what he was on the final day here. Don't quite have Because I bet you it went, I, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. I haven't looked at anything yet here, but I'm just going to, I'm going to take a guess and, and say that his strokes game putting, I bet you, I'll check when we're in break. When we're in break, mm-hmm. I'm going to find this out, but I, I bet you that in the, in the final day, he went sideways. When he got closer to winning a golf tournament, it went completely south is my guess. So I'm finding here he was minus 1.44 strokes gained on the green on Sunday alone. So. There you go. So yeah. minus what was it? 1.44. Okay. So if he was plus one, he would have been two and a half shots better. What did he lose by? Two. <laughs> so if he was plus one strokes gained putting, now call it eight wins on the year. You would have eight wins, multiple majors, a player's championship, and eight wins if he averaged plus one strokes gained putting. Mm -hmm. It's remarkable. And even so, he was four under par on Sunday, which is even crazier. He shot four under par and he lost. Giving away a shot and a half to the field. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. 
It's crazy. I but Scotty Scheffler. Maybe it's time that he calls Lucas Glover and says, yeah. send me a putter like that. Totally. Or something, you know, arm lock or, you know, counterbalance. Something Taylor, totally made, Taylor made, made me a lovely broom putter. They can get this done. They know what they're doing down in Carlsbad. They took a spider head. They drilled the center hole. They balanced it. They put in a center shaft. If they can do it for Mark Zucchino left-handed, they can certainly do it for the number one player in the world right-handed. Let's get the Z-Man and Scheffler in a room together, talk it out, <laughs> and all problems will be solved. Okay, on the other side, when we come back here on GTC, Bobby Weeks going one-on-one with Brooke Henderson as she gets set for this week's CPKC Women's Open. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on GTC, Scully and Zacchino here this week. It's the CPKC Women's Open. Brooke Henderson looking to win on home soil for the second time in her career. On Tuesday, she played a practice round at the CPKC Women's Open. And then afterwards, had a chance to speak with our own Bobby Weeks. All right, welcome back to the Brookapalooza. Here's Brooke <laughs> Henderson. And uh, Brooke, it's, uh, it's been a while since we have seen you. But um, this year so far, you've had the win. You had the runner-up at Evian. You've had some missed cuts. You've had a bit of everything this year. Besides statistically where those finishes are, how would you sum up this year? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a little bit up and down, but I feel like I have grown and I have learned a lot this year, which I think is important for everybody. And I think from both the highs and the lows, I've learned a lot and you know, hopefully I can use it moving forward. But um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. I have eight events planned on my schedule, um, so that's really exciting. And hopefully I can just have uh, a great, strong finish to the year. If there was one part of your game that you would identify that you like, the way it's going right now and one that hasn't been behaving too well, what would you say they were? Um, I mean, ball striking is always a strength of mine, and when it's on, it's usually pretty good, uh, so hopefully it's definitely on this week. Um, I feel like the short game, the putter has been pretty hot recently. Uh, the last few weeks, it's been bailing me out a little bit, which is good. Um, I feel like chipping, you know, I'm always working with my coach, who's my dad and my sister, my caddy. Um, you know, just always trying to improve that a little bit too. So, you know, just trying to make small improvements overall in the whole game. But I feel like it's really close, and it's definitely trending in the right direction. I've been saying that for a little while now. But, you know, hopefully it will turn over and start seeing some great results. You've had a chance to play here at Shaughnessy. I know it's one of the top-ranked courses in Canada. What do you see out there, and what strategically do you think you'll need to do this week? It's a beautiful golf course. I'm really excited that we have the opportunity to play here this week. And, you know, I think ball striking will definitely be a big key. It's very tight um, fairways, and it's very small greens. So ball striking, um, I'm going to go work on it right now after this interview uh, to make sure that sharp come Thursday. But it'll be a big key. And, you know, of course, just like any tournament, anytime you play golf, you got to make some putts. But greens are slopey. So I think, you know, strategy and hopefully being able to execute uh, your strategy the best you can will definitely be uh, important this week. 
you're going to have to rein in the strategy, uh, the, the, the aggressive <laughs> strategy they normally have a little bit, maybe? Yeah, I think a little bit. Uh, smart aggressive, I think, this week will, will be the, the choice that we go with. Uh, it's it's definitely, um, you have to you have to be smart out here, you know, hitting the right sides of the fairways and right sides of the greens to give yourself the best opportunities for making birdie and, and easy pars. So, you know, working with my coach and my sister, um, you know, it will be important the next few days to kind of narrow in the strategy and you know hopefully I'll be able to hit the shots on Thursday. This has been a phenomenal year for Canadian golf in terms of wins. We've won basically on every tour there is. You saw Nick Taylor with sinking that 76-foot putt to win. What would it mean to you to add another layer to that victory cake here this week? Yeah, you know, it has been a very exciting year for Canadian golf, and that's really awesome. And I think it's, you know, helping to inspire the younger generation too, which is um, even better. Uh, I would love to, you know, keep both trophies uh, at home here in Canada the, on the men's side and then this week here on the women's side. And, you know, back in 2018, winning this championship was a huge highlight of my career and, you know, maybe my favorite win to date. So I would love the opportunity to, you know, be in contention on the weekend and, you know, hopefully do it again. And just finally to wrap up, you're going to have a new lookout on the golf course with some spectacles out there. Uh, when did this uh, move come into play? Uh, yeah, so I've worn glasses for a long time off the course, but never on. So uh, I started last week, I just decided and I would start practicing with them and it seemed to go pretty well. So um, this is the first week in competition, so we'll see. But it's really nice to you know be able to see a few more things uh, and hopefully it'll help improve the game. All right, well, hopefully it's a quite a spectacle for you this week. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Bobby. Oh, boy. That is, that's too good. That's why we love Bobby. Spectacle. It's hey, are you uh, surprised that uh, Brooke uh, didn't uh, go for the laser eye surgery? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what's funny, Mark, about that? Not to make this about me, but I've had people no, ask no. me the same thing. Um, because, you know, I'm curious, actually. I'm curious how she performs out there, too, uh, with the glasses on, as as easy as laser eye does sound like it is. In terms well, of uh, Mrs. Golf Talk Canada had it done years ago. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And okay. she's never needed anything since. Like Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll have to... We'll have to ask Bobby about that uh, on the other side because we are running late here in hour one. All right, hour boss. two will kick off. Hour two will kick off with Bobby Weeks. He is going to join us from the CPKC Women's Open. We'll hear from Matt Bovey about TaylorMade's all-new P790 irons and Golf Canada CEO Lawrence Applebaum going to join us from the CPKC Women's Open Pro-Am. All that and more coming when we return here for hour two on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, 
Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Hour 2, the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Mark Zacchino. Now joining us on the line for a full preview of the CPKC Women's Open. And what might be an eye-opening experience this week. Brooke Henderson tried to win on home soil for the second time. Now joining us, Bob Weeks on the line. Uh, Bob, what kind of spectacle are you expecting for this week? Uh, for <laughs> oh, okay, oh, so we've, we, we've already passed those jokes, guys. <laughs> no, um, it's actually true. You're right. It's, uh, it's been the popular line, and uh, it's, uh, it's uh, deserved it because of what we saw yesterday. And Brooke Henderson, for the first time, is going to wear glasses on the golf course. I thought she wore contacts before, but uh, that was I asked her that about four or five years ago, she said no. And it's interesting, for years, you know, you've seen her take a rip at the drive and then just sort of immediately reach down, pick up her tee, and walk over to the bag. And I always thought it was because, oh, yeah, she knows, she's confident, she knows exactly that's going to be right in the middle of the fairway. But really, the answer is because she has no idea where it's going. She can't see it. So, Hey, Bob, would, uh, are you surprised she didn't go for, like, a, a laser correction or something along those lines? I know a lot of athletes, because they don't want to wear glasses, because it can be awkward looking down, seeing the frame, different perspective, yada, yada. Do they go for the, the laser correction surgery? Are you surprised, or did she mention anything, consider that, she, et cetera? Yeah, she didn't say anything about that. I was surprised she never wore contacts when she was playing. But she said she's, you know, she's okay in short distances. So, like, putts is, is not a big issue. She can see the putts. And she's relied a lot on Brittany to see the long, longer shots and just tell her where the ball ends up in the fairway. And I guess, you know, she's done it for so long, she's kind of used to it. And that's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, as the, the farmer once said. But, yeah, there are sort of surprising things that you would have thought that maybe by this time she would have tried something or worked on something different or had, you know, played maybe pro-ams or practice rounds with the glasses on. And it's, it's you know, here she is eight years later on the LPGA Tour, and she's trying something new. So we'll see if it works for her. I'm curious too, Bob, because uh, she is, uh, she pretty much leaves the pin in on all putts. And I think we were talking earlier in the year too about, especially for putts really outside 20 feet, how the flag stick was left in too. I'm curious where she goes in, in terms of that, because now that she has glasses on, she'll be able to see a little longer. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, if, if this is, this is sort of the first year that she's done that. And the one club in her bag that has improved this year is her putter, mm-hmm. you know, not, not in the huge levels, but she is putting better with leaving it in. So I, I imagine she'll stay leaving that, that flag in. And that was, she said on the longer putts, because, you know, she was, it was a little better for her to see. So this eyesight thing is very interesting and, and very, in some respects, a little bit confusing, but listen, she's got 13 wins. Uh, who are we to judge, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, Bob uh, Shaughnessy. Um, how important is it going to be to keep the, the golf ball in the fairway? Uh, not just for Brooke, but for whoever goes on and win this golf tournament. We, you know, I looked at her numbers this year. I was just caught off guard by how much her greens and regulation numbers have dropped this year down to 69% from a career average of 75 to 77%. And then the fairways have also come down from about, you know, 75, 77% career average down to about 71%. So I think that GIR number can go up if we keep it in the short grass. Is that going to be key at Shaughnessy? Yeah, very much so. And that was the key the two times they had the uh, RBC Canadian open out here as well. You know, the winning scores, 
were like I think four and five under here the two times they had the the open here the men's open so I don't suspect that the women's scores are going to be much different than that and there's two things that happen on this golf course that um, uh, Doug Roxborough the great amateur golfer once told me he said you know the fairways look thin because the trees are so tall they are you know the the trees get in the way in a lot of line of sight so you have to work the ball a little bit no, no more so than on the off the first tee where you have to try and either hit it out to the right side and hope you don't get in the rough or try and draw it around in fact so much to the point where pga tour wanted shaughnessy to cut the trees down when they held the canadian open here but they wouldn't do it and it's it's one of those one of those ones where it looks very narrow it is in certain cases quite narrow but it looks much narrower than it is so i think you have to be very confident off the tee in what you're doing brooke said yesterday you know, she's going to keep the driver in the bag more often than not, uh, than she usually does. She says she's going to uh, play with what she calls smart aggressive. And I think that's going to be the, uh, the tone for just about everybody here. Because if you can keep the ball in the tee, in, on the green, sorry, if you can keep the ball in the fairway off the tee, you are going to have a big advantage here. Yeah, totally. Looking forward to seeing Shaughnessy throughout the week. And I'm also looking forward to seeing the build out in terms of the fans that are going to be there. Because, Bob, when we had uh, tournament director Ryan Paul on our show about a month ago, he was saying that the, that the build-out is going to be similar to what uh, the RBC Canadian Open had at Glen Abbey uh, in its last years of uh, hosting the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, from walking around at Shaughnessy, what have you seen in terms of grandstands and people and that sort of thing? It's big. I mean, this is this is the first uh, major golf tournament they've had here since the Canadian Open back in whatever it was, 216, I think, something like that. It's been it's been a while since they've had a, a major ter- uh, tournament out here, so the fans are, are hungry to come and see it. I think Brooke is going to be the star of the show. It's going to be Brooke-a-palooza, as we've been calling it all, all week. And, and the stands here and the build-out kind of reflect it. There's a lot of sponsor activation going on here. They've got the rink hole like they've had at the men's tournament for the last couple of years. Kara Waglin and I did a a hit from there last night, and um, it's uh, it feels big. You know, it feels like this is something I I don't know how many LPGA regular LPGA tournaments you know most people have been to, but they're not outside of the majors. They're not massive events. This one feels like a massive event. This one feels bigger than than some of the majors. Uh, I haven't been to too many LPGA majors, but you know, like some of the U.S. Opens I've been to, this this feels bigger than that right now. So we'll see if the fans show up and. Uh, it looks like the weather's going to cooperate. Uh, the temperature is going to be nice. Nothing, nothing uh, into the uh, 30s. So I think it's uh, make, has all the makings to be a really good week. All right, Bob. I want to switch gears with you here for hair. And you and I have o- always been consistent, as Adam has, that if we here on Golf Talk Canada make all the decisions in the world of golf, things would just be better. <laughs> They'd just be better. So now with the Dell match play out of the way in the sense that it no longer exists. And we don't have match play on the PGA Tour schedule. Obviously, we have President's Cup, Ryder Cup, but those are international team competitions. With the Dell match play gone, I would love to see at the Tour Championship each year uh, a certain group of players get a bye, a couple of days of stroke play, where you give eight spots, let's just say, to a round of 16, and now we've got 16 guys on the weekend, eight of which have got a bye, which are your top guys in the FedEx Cup. And we get into a match play scenario where we end up with one versus one for $15 million on a Sunday afternoon. Do you like the idea or some type of idea around that over what we're currently doing at the moment? 
I love that idea. I'm not sure television will love that idea, and you know exactly <laughs> why. Because if it's Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy, and Scotty Scheffler goes five up after the first nine, everyone's switching their TVs over to uh, Seinfeld reruns. It's um, <laughs> you know, it's it's that's the, that's always been the big issue with match play. When when it works like it does sometimes at the Ryder Cup or once in a while at the old Dell match play, it, it, there is nothing better. And unfortunately, I don't know if the guys would take the risk, but I mean, I get, I get what you are saying. And as the king of golf, you know, I think you always come up with a lot of smart ideas and this is a good one. <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know how you make this work in the way that they want to give an advantage to, you know, the, the top players who played well throughout the whole calendar and not make it seem like it's a net handicap event uh, on Saturday morning at your golf club. Um, that's, that's what, you know, the players that I've talked to or heard in press conferences kind of refer to this as it, I think it works really well for the fans. I think for the average guy out there trying to follow along with basically two leaderboards in the old days where they had the tour championship and they had the FedEx cup championship going side by side was so confusing that this might be an easier way. And and once you get going on Thursday after Thursday's round, you know, I don't know, is is it that bad? Um, you know, some guys, you go on the PGA Tour week in and week out on Thursday, and some guy shows up for his afternoon tea time, and he's already ate back because the morning wave has already gone through. So, I don't know. It's it's There's got to be something. I love the match play. I would love the, to do that, and I think that's a smart, smart way to do it. I'm just not sure if TV would allow them to do it, but that's a, that's probably the best I, best alternative idea I've heard, Mr. King. Crazy idea, Bob, in addition to this. Not oh sure if it would be captivating enough or if it would help. But to your point, that mono mono gets lopsided on a Sunday. TV gets upset. What if ahead of that match, for TV purposes, the 14 players that made it to the round robin that didn't get to the final were playing in a stroke play event ahead of that final match? So TV had something and there was something significant up for grabs in that stroke play competition ahead. So when players are walking to their ball, let's just say, as a TV product, match play can be awful, right? You watch a guy walk to their 300-yard drive. Right. You have something else to go to. Now, what that significant thing is, I'm not sure yet. Maybe you can think about that, and we can talk about this next week. Like, what would those 14 players want to play for in addition that would be significant other than money? Like, is it a buy into something? Is it some type of status category for the following year? Uh, I don't know. But, I mean, you need something captivating going on the golf course so that when Rory's walking to his 350-yard drive... It's not dead air when it's one on one. Yeah, yeah. I think I see and I hear you, and I think you've got something there. You know, maybe it would be maybe it would be really cool if instead of having where they are under par uh, on the scoreboard of the side of the screen, it was how much uh, how much money every shot was worth, right? So if a guy guy hits it out to the uh, right in the woods and he's going to make a bogey, oh, that just cost him six hundred thousand dollars, or he misses a short putt. Uh, I don't know. There's got to be there's got to be an answer to this, and and I'm not sure what it is, but I'm sure that we'll find it. 
Now, Bob, uh, before before we let you go, uh, you mentioned your segment uh, by the rink hole yesterday. Uh, my co-anchors uh, on SportsCenter, Mark Rowe and Jermaine Franklin, spoke about how maybe this time, if you guys do another segment from there, maybe you could hop the boards, a la like an <laughs> NHL player, you know, hopping the boards uh, on a line change. Um, have you and Kara discussed that, or are you going to do another hit uh, on the rink hole? What do you think? Well, the, uh, the, there, were, there were a couple of ideas that came to us, uh, of course, a little bit too late. One was to have a water bottle and, you know, cool ourselves down after the, after the hit, right, right at the end of the hit. That was one. And the other one was maybe to wear a helmet uh, and, and maybe have, you know, a stick there or something like that on there. We were trying to make it very realistic as if it, as if it was the, let's say, the Vancouver Canucks out here, uh, you know, getting ready for a game or something. But I think there's lots of there's lots of room to grow with this, and, and I'll give Kara. She was it was her idea. Give her full credit for it, and uh, she's she's catching on to this golf thing pretty quickly. There you go. Well, I'll, she's I'll also sure to... a big movie star now as well, Bob. Coming up, which we can talk yes, about in a couple of weeks as well. Yes, yes I heard all about that at dinner last night. That's uh, that's quite uh, quite the experience. Well, Bob, uh, Bob, you, you should be expecting a, an Amazon direct shipment of a Jolfa helmet uh, on its way to your <laughs> hotel room uh, and, and some uh, water bottles as well. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, enjoy the tournament. We'll see you throughout the week, tsn.ca and SportsCenter. Thanks, Bob. Take care, guys. Later, Bob. Okay, that is Bob. And so, sorry, did he call you a king? Was that, did, did yes, I hear the that golf right? king. Golf, golf king. king, apparently, now. So, I mean, every time Bob and I talk, we just uh, raise each other's title. Like, we just... <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, we'll have the t-shirts printed, the golf balls made, golf king. You know, uh, not to get back to our member guest. No, no. I... But, since we are going to talk about this for the next year, you know, after 7 p.m. at the member guest, we should have helmets on as well for protection. I mean, at the end of the night, I could have used the helmet as well uh, on a golf course. So. Well, especially that, that bouncy ball game where the bouncy golf ball, balls flying yeah. left, right, and center, live music. I mean, you, you were on the mic at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a day we'll never <laughs> forget. Uh, the Toronto Hunt member guest, uh, Bob Weeks, thanks for joining us. We'll have much more on the CPKC Women's Open a little later in the show. When we come back here on GTC, a couple weeks ago, on 20 Weeks of TaylorMade, we gave away a set of the all-new TaylorMade P790 irons. We'll learn all about the latest iteration of these irons when we come back here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Well, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. The end is just about here. Lots of great TaylorMade products have been given away on our show throughout the season, including the all-new TaylorMade P790 irons. For much more on these new irons, so much really cool technology involved with this new product. 
I had a, ch I had a chance to catch up with TaylorMade's Matt Bovey. For much more on the newest edition of the TaylorMade P790 irons, now joining us is Matt Bovey. Matt, welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Scully, great to see you as always, my friend. Yes, always great to see you. We were in person back in January. Now uh, we're back remotely. I'm sure we'll be back uh, at the kingdom, hopefully a little later this year, early in 2024. Now, how long has this fourth iteration of the P790 been in the works? Yeah, so we are on Gen 4 of P790 and what a legacy it's had um, in our development cycle. I get that question a lot. If you're talking about the marrying of like the cosmetic package with the technology, it's in the neighborhood of two years. But if you talk about just the technology itself and or the tools that allow us to unlock that additional performance, this one's more in the three-year range. And sometimes they go all the way up to five. Wow. Okay. So it's that long in the works. That That's pretty cool. Now, the real name of the game with this latest P790 is CG, Center of Gravity, a huge story with these irons. Walk us through how the CG is positioned and how that changes throughout the set. Love to. Yeah. So um, the Center of Gravity or CG, as you put it, in the new P790 for 2023 um, really what we've done is we've worked very, very hard and improved manufacturing processes, design methodologies to precisely place that CG where you need it for that specific iron. That is to say every iron has been individually designed for its purpose in your bag. So you have the lowest center of gravity in your longest irons because that helps you launch the ball in the air more easily. Um, it's going to make the iron more forgiving. It puts a sweet spot right where you need it. And then as you start to work towards the shorter clubs or your scoring irons, uh, you're going to see that CG start to move a little bit higher. And the reason is we want to flight the ball down. We want to add a little bit of spin. We want to allow golfers to be able to attack those pins. Um, and in with each one of those CG positions, we want to make the iron as forgiving as possible. Because let's face it, consistency and accuracy are absolutely a premium, specifically when you're talking about the P-Series player. Yeah, totally. There's a lot to take away from that. And I understand there are some AI in terms of mass optimization. Explain what all that means and how it's involved with this new product. Yeah, a lot of fancy words there, but I talked about the individual design of each iron. We created a proprietary software internally that leverages AI to really go through and do thousands and thousands of iterations as to where the mass gets distributed inside the club head, again, chasing that specific center of gravity and MOI, uh, which is basically the forgiveness of the club head, which does play a role in the irons because we want them to be as stable as possible. Again, that comes back to consistency and accuracy. So <clears throat> with the AI platform and being able to go through these iterations, we looked at not only, okay, where does every gram need to go inside this club head, but how does it affect the performance and the sound and feel? So it's looking at this entire sort of like package now. It's it, Before it was always kind of using engineering intuition and knowing, okay, we want more weight towards the toe to make it more stable and offset the hosel. And then we have some sound ribs, et cetera, et cetera. But it's always a trade-off. And now this new software allows you to analyze every little bit, every microscopic gram of that trade-off to ensure that we're getting the best possible individual iron design for your set. That's a lot of detail being put in each individual iron. I mean, that's that, that's amazing. You know, you mentioned, you know, three to five years been in the works. That's a lot of research you guys clearly have been doing. 
Well, the software itself takes a while to develop in terms of the optimization piece and tying it with sound and feel and expected performance. Um, and then, you know, you take our cosmetic development cycle and all those things and, and pairing that together in the 24 month window. So yeah, this one's been about three years in the making. Five is like some of the technologies take five. This one's about three, but you can really see where all that hard work went when you look inside the iron and you see the individual structure of each head. Like it's honestly, it's, it's this clash of art and engineering for somebody who's a golf nerd like me and an engineer at heart, like, you know, you just completely sort of like nerd out and, and kind of salivate over the technology that's on the inside, but the beauty that's on the outside and how it looks in your bag. It's just wow. an incredible combination. It's certainly an incredible combination. Can't wait to uh, get my hands and, and on it and try uh, this new product. Now, how is the sweet spot in this new edition of the P790? How has it evolved from the other versions? Yeah, sweet spot's always something that you know we look at diligently because it's not just about the size of the sweet spot. It's about the location and, and where it sits on the face relative to the impacts that happen naturally. So, um, you know, the easiest way to describe it is this sweet spot follows the center of gravity. So if the center of gravity goes lower in the head like it is on these long irons, your sweet spot's going to follow. And when you look at your impact location on long irons, it tends to be a little bit lower on the face. They're harder to hit. Um, you're, you don't get quite as steep with those clubs, generally speaking. Uh, so again, we're going to be capturing more shots naturally with that sweet spot with the CG positioning in these irons, which is great. And that's going to help make them again, more consistent and more forgiving throughout the entire set. So there's a ton of technology we've already mentioned. Is there anything else that we've missed that you want to add to that in terms of new tech uh, with these irons? I mean, the sound stabilization bar, again, that's inside the iron, but it's just so important, I think, to, to make sure that everyone understands that the feel of these irons are premium. That's always been a part of P790's success. We continue to fine-tune that. Again, we're fine-tuning it at the individual iron level now. And we want to make sure that just because every iron's different inside, you know, that they still feel the same and that they all feel premium. And we, again, it, that's an important thing to stress. And everything that um, everyone has known and loved about the forged hollow body construction with that P790 still remains. So you have the speed pocket, you have tungsten weighting. Each face has been individually designed to help minimize that right miss that everybody sees in their long irons as well. Again, we're all about accuracy and consistency with these clubs. And the, you know, the aesthetic on the outside, just beautiful. Um, a little bit more of a serious tonality in the polishing this time around. Um, just clean, classic, timeless looks in the way that 790 is, is really able to deliver. So again, just excited to get out there and, and, and I can't wait for golfers to be able to hit these so I can start to hear what everybody's is, is thinking about the new clubs. Now in the past, we've seen professionals use the P790 perhaps just for longer irons, but do you see pros using these P790s for the whole set? I feel like you're setting me up on purpose with this question because Rick Henderson... A fellow Canadian won on the LPGA tour with a full set of 790s earlier this year. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, so again, like it just all comes down to the tour and the LPGA, they're a bit more uh, prominent because again, these have a little bit more distance in them than say a 770 or certainly than a single piece forged like an MC or an MB. Um, but, you know, as we continue to expand on the consistency of these products, it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see them kind of spread out a little bit more through players' bags. Um, in On the PGA Tour, however, you are going to see these are going to be predominantly in, in the long irons, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, from a driving iron type standpoint or you just want more forgiveness. Um, certainly, we see that trend happening on the PGA Tour, so I expect to see some of that 790 as well. 
Well, the newest edition of the TaylorMade P790, not only forgiving, optimal launch with all irons. Can't wait to give this new iron a try. Matt, thanks for your time today. Cool. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, as always, to Matt Bowie for joining us here on GTC. When we come back, Golf Canada CEO Lawrence Applebaum going to join the show right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino. Big week in the world of golf. The Tour Championship at Eastlake. The top 30 players in the FedEx Cup making it to Eastlake. They're all battling for 18 million dollars the top prize cpkc women's open in at shaughnessy the a lot of the top lpga players are there a number of the top 100 upwards of over 90 of the top 100 ranked players in the rolex world rankings are there at the cpkc women's open including brooke henderson now of course we heard from henderson earlier in the show and what, uh, what an interesting year it's been for Brooke Henderson. Looking forward to seeing Brooke Palooza here uh, throughout the week, as Bobby Weeks told us a little earlier uh, in the show. Now, Mark, you gave some numbers uh, before we get L.A. Mm-hmm. on the phone here. You gave some numbers yeah. on GTC TV about Brooke Henderson's season and some of the stats of how some of her stats have gotten worse this year versus uh, in years past. Maybe for those who haven't seen it, uh, walk us through some of those numbers if you haven't. Well, here's the thing. Everybody's wondering, you know, her putting has improved. So where are the wins? Because that was always the issue. And it's really a ball striking issue this year. She's down about 5% in fairways, uh, a career average, and down about 6 to 7% greens in regulation compared to her career average. What does this all mean? It's about 10 less greens per tournament. Think about that. Across four Rounds of golf, she's hitting 10 less greens than her career average. That's 10 more times where she needs to get up and down, 10 more times where she needs to maybe make a a 7, 8-footer for par, 10 more times where she doesn't have a look for birdie. Now, with her improved putting, you got to think, you know, okay, let's say her strokes gained are two shots better across four rounds. Uh, or three shots better across four rounds than what they were, you know, uh, three years ago. Now give her 10 more cracks at birdie efforts. You know, that that's going to be quite a bit. You know, she might make three, four more birdies a tournament. Um, now go back and look at where she finished on LPGA Tour leaderboards and give her, you know, another three, four, five birdies around. And maybe take away a couple of bogeys around because of missed greens. And how many times would she have won this year if she was five shots better, six shots better? You start doing the math, and now you start getting into that same scenario with Brooke Henderson as we start crunching the numbers with Scotty Scheffler, right? If you were to make him plus one strokes game putting 
across the season and apply that to his finishes on leaderboards of how many times he finished X amount of shots outside of a playoff, a win, a this, and the numbers start to get staggering. Now, I'm not suggesting they're as staggering as they are for, for uh, Scotty Scheffler with Brooke, but it's certainly more than one win season. It's certainly back to her traditional two, three win season by just finding 10 more greens uh, a tournament. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how Brooke Henderson's uh, ball striking uh, can continue to change. Um, and, uh, and it's going to be an ongoing story here uh, on GTC for, uh, for Brooke Henderson, too. Now, of course, there's the CPKC. Do you have something to say there, Mark? Sorry. I was going to say, we're having a hard time connecting with uh, L.A., should mm-hmm. we should we maybe run through our TSN edge picks? Because yeah. I'll tell you why. Because now if you hadn't seen Golf Talk Canada TV this week, um, we did our TSN edge picks. And Bob, Adam, and myself, even in a stagger, I want you to think about this, Skulls. I, I, we didn't have a chance to get into this on TV. Obviously, when we do TV, our weekly TV program, it, we, you know, we are tight on time. It is very mm. structured. Our formula does not allow us to really go as deep as we can on radio or Monday radio to TV and throw things around. But this staggered start that we has had a lot of conversation on radio today, Rom, Shaw, uh, Xander Shoffley, everybody talking about, you know, some, you know, Scotty Scheffler starting at 10 under, Victor Hovland starting at 8 under, Rory McIlroy starting at 7 under. Not one of us, not you, Bob, or I, selected Scotty Scheffler as part of our TSN Edge picks this week. You and what what are the what are the fan duel odds on Scotty Scheffler to win? He's he's a heavy favorite, correct? with a two-shot lead over Hovland starting this tournament at 10 under par. He is a heavy favorite, and neither one of us have him. None of us. Was that None not shocking to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, to a degree, in terms of, like, like there's zero value. It's plus 130. Plus 130 to win a golf tournament. I know he begins with a two-shot lead. I know there's only 30 guys, but... I, I, I would never personally put any sort of wager down at plus 130. There's just zero there, which is why you got Rory McIlroy right behind him. And did the odds makers not see what we saw on Sunday? I well, mean, yeah. What, what I think is happening is that everyone's just waiting for Scheffler to break out and win by seven shots, which, you know, agreed. the Players' Championship... He did that in March. He won by five. And then since then, he's hit the ball like a robot in terms of really well. And then his putting has just sort of been, yeah. So, Scotty Scheffler, plus 130. I'm staying away from that. Okay. So, I was going to go. We were both on Hovland, I believe. Or Bob and I are on Hovland. You and Bob are on Hovland, correct. Who was your other pick? Yeah. We, so We all have Rory. Yeah, so we all have Rory. Uh, so Rory, just for odds sake, second shortest odds at plus 330. Now, if you're looking for uh, little longer odds for Rory, in terms of lowest score, not including the staggered start, Rory is at plus 500. So for Rory to win the FedEx Cup, 
you would think he would have to have the lowest score over 72 holes. So perhaps if you scroll down on FanDuel a little bit, you'll see some better odds there at plus 500 for Rory. Now, my other pick is a guy who you also have, and that's Xander Shoffley. It's, you know, here's a guy who has played 24 rounds here at Eastlake, and he's never shot over par. That in itself, Mark, is unbelievable. I believe, and I said it on TV, that this is the biggest horses for courses play of the season annually. I mean, you said it. He's never shot over par there. Uh, He rarely finishes outside the top two. It's crazy. Look at his numbers at this tournament. It's ridiculous. He won back in 2017. His worst finish since winning here is seventh. His worst. It is unbelievable. He's going to start seven shots back, uh, which is a lot. But Based on his history, based on he's playing with house money, you start seven back, I mean, you got zero pressure. If anybody can come from seven behind on this golf course, it's Xander Shoffley. It's worth a couple of lollies. It really is worth a couple of lollies. It's also worth a couple of lollies on the who's just going to shoot lowest over 72-hole opportunity on FanDuel, not FedEx Cup related with staggered start, but to your point. Um, but, uh, I went with Hovland as well because of the hot hand. But for me, this is Rory McIlroy's. You asked me three weeks ago, who's going to win the FedEx cup? And my answer was very simple and very, uh, sad in a way. It was Rory McIlroy is going to win another FedEx cup and it isn't going to matter. And that's why it's sad. And because Rory McIlroy is uh, the face of the game, face of the PGA tour, uh, likely the most gifted golfer on the planet, naturally gifted golfer since Tiger Woods. And it will, regardless of how great it is to win a FedEx Cup, with it being his fourth FedEx Cup, and we are still waiting for a major since 2014, we are still waiting for a green jacket, this will not change his legacy at all, Adam. Well, and I, I agree with all those points. I, I'm curious for Rory because I, I think he should have won last week, given he missed so many putts in that Saturday third round. And he even said after the final round that he might be switching back to that spider, uh, kind, that spider putter instead of going to the Scotty. What's what do you think about Rory's putting overall? Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. You can. At this point in the game. At this juncture in the game, almost 10 years without a major, revolving door of putters. Why haven't we, why haven't we tried a change in putting style? Okay. Mm-hmm. We have not tried left hand low. We have not tried a pencil. We have not tried a claw. We have not tried an arm lock. We have not tried a broom. I mean, we have all we have done if you're Rory McIlroy, is go from one conventional putter grip, sorry, one putter to the next with the same conventional grip with the putter maybe changing an eighth of an inch to a half an inch in length, you know, but we're still, as a righty, right hand low, conventional putter, not making anything really when you need it, I mean, it's mind-boggling to me, Adam, why we haven't tried anything. Like, what would the harm be in trying left-hand low or a pencil? I mean, get with a short game guy. 
get with a Ralph Bauer, mm-hmm. get with a, a Brad Faxon, get with um, a Dave Stockton, and put some data together on where the where are you missing and why. Uh, is there too much hit in your stroke? Is it not in your shoulders? Do you tend to miss low? Do you tend to miss high? And then make a change accordingly. It is very frustrating to see him go out there with the same game plan on the greens week in, week out. And it seems like throughout his time working with Brad Faxon that there aren't a lot of practice strokes. It's a lot of he'll read a green from a couple of different angles. And as, as Fax has put it, he tries to essentially putt like an athlete, right? So maybe he has to change that. Yes, react. Keeps reacting, putting like that. And, and like, you know, Faxon is constantly defending what they do. I don't know if you, you, you know, he's constantly got his back up. But, I mean, Brad, th- there's the data. Why aren't you, you know, why, why are you not, like already focusing in on this thing, this putting like an athlete thing is, is not working. Okay. I I know what he's saying. If you give a Rory McIlroy a a wedge and you say, okay, I want you to putt with a wedge and and just hit the equator of the golf ball with a wedge and belly it into the hole and go all field reaction. He's likely going to make more putts because you've removed all the mental blocks. Like when I putt with a driver, and people laugh, and I make a bunch of putts with drive. It's because you you have freed up, and you are just reacting to your target. I get that. That is not a game plan for in the heat of the battle when you're coming down the stretch on a Sunday. When you're coming down the stretch of the Sunday heat of battle, you need uh, you need lock solid fundamentals and process that will give you the greatest percentages available for you to make that putt under under those conditions, like Tiger did his entire bloody career. Mm-hmm. And Faxon just blindly uh, supporting this, I don't think so. I think it's time for Rory to seek additional putting information away from let's just feel it in the hole. Because, I, mm-hmm. I mean, that is complete BS at this point. You know, it you know what it did work? It did, it did work in the match play. And it does work at the Ryder Cup. And it, it's for it's the same reason why it works for Ian Poulter. Because there's a little voice in the back of their head says, the one coming back means nothing. And the minute they, they absorb that the one coming back means nothing, all of a sudden, they're free to just shoot at their target. That doesn't work in stroke play. Because the one coming back does mean something yeah yeah it's uh, it's a fascinating story for rory mcelroy looking for his 10th consecutive worldwide top 10 this week at the tour championship second to shortest odds right now including the staggered starting leaderboard at plus 330 when we come back here on gtc we'll tee up our schedule the rest of the day across the tsn network and give you the news you want to hear 20 weeks of taylor made how you can win a whole boatload of tailor-made prizes all that and more when we come back here on golf talk Canada. this segment of gtc presented by picton mahoney asset management was brought to you by cadillac cadillac experience cadillac join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of cadillac suvs sedans and evs This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by 
Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. One p.m. on TSN one and four. Four p.m. on TSN two. Both those television uh, busy one for us today. Of course, on Golf Talk Canada. Twenty weeks of Taylor Made Mark. The end is here, and boy, oh boy, this is a huge week for twenty weeks of Taylor Made, isn't it? Yeah, I hope everybody had fun this year. I think we had just over eight thousand people participate in our fantasy first ever fantasy golf league. We're going to hand out all the big hardware. Uh, after this week, I know we're going to do a draw for the huge prize uh, for trip to Casa de Campo and the custom set through the bag, get treated like Rory for the day. Uh, that's going to be random for anyone who participated, but we're also going to hand out first, second, and third in the season long. And I mean, we got lots to go still. Yep. And, uh, and I know, you know, I can't wait to circle back with Nick and the gang to see what they want to do next year. But I thought this was fun and, and something a little different. And uh, I think everybody had a good time. So we'll see how it goes for 2025. I can tell you this. I, I know for sure that uh, Casa de Campo will be back for 20 weeks tailor-made next year. So hopefully we'll get some details uh, to our audience in the winter months as to what it might look like uh, if there's changes coming. But uh, this was fun. I think people had a good time. And uh, one more week to go, Skulls. One more week to go. You'll have to watch us and listen to us Monday radio on TV for the 20 weeks of TaylorMade announcement. The big winners will have all that Monday GTC radio to TV. Mark, it's been a busy one. It's been a fun one today, as always, my friend. Thanks for your time this morning. Big things coming for us on GTC uh, later this year, next year. The work's a great time to be a member of Team GTC. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We'll see you again, 1 p.m. TSN 1 and 4. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.